Welcome to Think Beyond Space, the PDX Workplace Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Blake St. Ange, Principal for the Portland Office of Cressa, a global corporate real estate firm. From the people, the culture, and their thoughts on the future of work, we sit down with leaders from Portland's most respected companies to learn about what makes their workplaces tick. We also dive into the commercial real estate markets and workplace trends that will help shape the future of business in Portland for years to come. Subscribe at cressa.com slash Portland or wherever you find your podcasts. Welcome to the podcast. I am very excited to have our inaugural, our very first guest on the podcast, Sheila Murdy, Executive Vice President of People and Culture at a cheese company, a dairy company, ice cream company, and everything in between, uh, Tillamook. Sheila, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Blake. Thanks for, for, for being on. I got to tell you, when we were first conceptualizing the podcast, I, this is no lie, I, I thought we got to try to have Sheila on as our first guest. I'm not, and I'm, this is no, this is no flattery. It's just truth. I'm just like, I think it would be for a whole host of reasons, not the least of which a dynamic leader um, and all the things that you're doing, you know, with Tillamook and then just in the community. So uh, I appreciate you saying yes and, um, you know, and being on. So I guess we'll first start um, for those that don't know you and don't, may not know Tillamook, which I think would be crazy if they didn't. Give us a little background of you and how you became to, to be the, the EVP of Tillamook and just a little background history on yourself. Yeah, thanks so much. First of all, I have to say uh, my first podcast. Really? And, uh, yes. And, uh, you know, my son, my son who's 14 is a big podcast subscriber. So my big cool factor here is I got to tell him <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a podcast. So he promptly went to the thing and found the podcast. And so now I've, I've increased my stock. So thank you for that. Uh, always when you get to increase your stock among your teenagers, that's a good thing. Big. Um, so yeah, so appreciate that. So let's see, um, I will tell you a little bit about myself and then kind of how I came to uh, be at Telemark. I uh, was born and raised in Malaysia. I, uh, my, my, my grandparents came to uh, Malaysia from India. They came during the British time from South India. My parents were born in Malaysia. So I'm South Indian, um, Malaysian. Uh, my parents uh, and I were both born in Malaysia. My parents uh, were, you know, did not go to college, but they were really prioritized education. They raised my brother and I in a very average middle class family, really hardworking. I often say they like to say, work hard, play if you have time, do more than you have to. Uh, that was kind of the mantra. So that's kind of how we were raised. Uh, and I'm sure my kids will tell you that's a little bit of what they probably heard uh-huh. here at home as uh-huh. well. Yeah. Uh, but they often said, you know, to take the opportunities that were given to you and uh, to step into the opportunities that were presented. And I, I grew up in a fabulous country. Malaysia is a multidimensional, multicultural country. Uh, it's a Muslim country with uh, a lot of dimensions of diversity. Chinese, uh, Indians, Malay. Um, and while it's rich and vibrant, um, there, were also, uh, there were also barriers and opportunity if you were not from the dominant majority. So uh, as South Indian Asians, we were not in the dominant majority. And so my parents specifically wanted us, my brother and I, to be able to come to the U.S. to go to school here. So they saved diligently and when they suggested, you know, for uh, for me first to come to the U.S. to go to school and go to college, I said yes. So I learned early to, you know, take the opportunities that were given and say yes. So I came to the U.S. Um, to go to college. 
And um, I was a science and math kid. Um, so I came uh, first to the University of Montana in Missoula. Wow. That's a story. That's a, yeah, that's, a, that's, yeah, from Malaysia, which is very <laughs> tropical, to Missoula, Montana. And that's what happens when uh, you pick a college out of a catalog and it says there's four seasons. And when you only know one season, it's very enticing. Yeah. And uh, I swear to you, the college catalog said mild winters and uh, you didn't get to go visit college campuses as you do today with your kids. So yeah, they're uh, good salespeople. Yeah, it's a quite a fun story. So beautiful place, had a, a great, uh, great time there. Uh, studied microbiology, but quickly realized it was way too cold for me. So I came out to Oregon, went to school at uh, Oregon Health Sciences University, and then subsequently to Portland State, where I did my MBA, and uh, you know, spent uh, early uh, early years in healthcare, and then moved um, really accidentally fell into human resources. Another thing that I've learned early on is you know progress is. Uh, not often linear. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes uh, people see things in you that you may not see in yourself. Um, and so I often had people along the way that would be like, hey, you're doing your MBA, you know, there's this job over there, you might be really good at it, why don't you apply? And so I had a lot of those early champions that I'm really grateful for. So that's what happened when I was working in, in healthcare. And I moved into you know, the business um, and eventually the human resources side of, of my work. And so I spent a lot of years in healthcare. But the way I came to Telemark was that, um, you know, as an international student, as I mentioned to you, I, I came to the US as a foreign student. Uh, so I'm an immigrant, um, you know, eventually migrated here. But as an international student, when I came to Oregon, uh, one of the early uh, things they do in colleges, you can sign up to, you know, visit touristy places. So one of the early touristy places they took you in a bus to visit was the Telemark Cheese Factory. Oh, man. Yeah. So wow. I, I had the love affair began a long time ago, uh, long before I came to work to, uh, at uh, Telemark uh, County Creamery Association. So um, that's my early memory of uh, Telemark. And, you know, I came to um, the opportunity here because I um, really, the, it was a differentiated opportunity. So sometimes along your career, you um, have an opportunity to really lead in a way that is unique. So for mm -hmm. me, it was a way, it was a role that allowed, allowed me to be in a pivotal role to lead culture and to lead culture in a way that was really instrumental to uh, the strategy of the organization. And that was really exciting. And to be um, partnering with a CEO who truly believed that culture was a competitive advantage to the business and wanted you know, a partner who would really make it integral to the organization. And plus Telmoc was in a, in a very exciting place in its uh, growth. And in 2018, when I joined the organization, it was at the moment where Telma Creamery was taking the brand national. Yeah. So it's not often yeah. in your career that you can join an organization at, the, at a pivotal point in, in all, at all those fronts. So that's how I came to lead people. I lead pe I'm the head of people, culture, and inclusion here at, uh, at the Creamery. Well, that's, uh, that's no linear path. There's no question about that. Yeah. I mean, I just... The small world nature of of things like that, where you go and you're you're going to tour a place, and then several years later become a dynamic leader of that organization. I mean, 
the stars align like that. It's just like this perfect, this, this perfect opportunity. It sounds like. And so yeah, it's pretty special. So uh, you talk about the, the, the culture from, from what I know from Tillamook, you there's the, you know, you've got the, the creamery down in Tillamook, you've got sort of this administrative outpost here in downtown Portland or in, you know, in Northwest Portland, and then you've got uh, a few other, we'll just call them, you know, um, farming communities, if you will. So when you're, when you guys are building your, your culture across that wide spectrum, what are the challenges with that and opportunities? I think there's, 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 I would say there's both to each, I would, I would imagine. Yeah. So just, uh, just to set the context. So uh, we have a thousand employees and w- across three main locations and we have a location in Tillamook, Oregon, um, and that's our flagship location. And we have our manufacturing location there. And we have our creamery, our visitor experience there. We have our Portland outpost where we have about 140 employees in Portland. And uh, then we have uh, a plant in um, Boardman, Oregon, in Eastern Oregon. And then we have about 35 employees around uh, key channel markets throughout the U.S. Because as I mentioned to you, we're, we're uh, in an expansion. And so, and then we are a, a farmer-owned co-op, co-op and a multi-category dairy food brand. And so we have 80 farming families in Tillamook County who own the company and uh, who benefit directly from its growth and success. Uh, so our headquarters, our ownership, and our heritage are deeply rooted in Tillamook, Oregon. So I like to say we're a blend of a company with a strong heritage and a progressive brand. So one of the things that I think makes us really unique is that we decided um, to really, as you know, at the at the moment where we were ex- thinking of this next expansion, recognizing that it's really important that we anchor ourselves in these in some shared values. So that we spend a lot of time investing in codifying these values that are really important to us. And there's five of these values. These values are really the foundation of what unifies us, mm-hmm. is the foundation of what um, it, it guides our behaviors, uh, sets the principles, and our common language that we use. And I think that has become what you know creates this way that we connect to each other. And honestly, it's been, um, it's been really remarkable to see how it, it's created a bridge in how we have really grown and how we've really um, built this really strong culture. Uh, that is really something we cherish quite, quite deeply. Um, and I think 2020 just gave us, um, I don't know, a way to really demonstrate how yeah. strong our values were. So yeah. I would say the, the challenges were very different across all these different elements, you know, from rural to urban, right. um, you know, we have different tenure of employees, uh, we have different kinds of jobs throughout the co-op. And so you need something that we can really uh, anchor. And those are our values. And every person in this organization really cares about this business and mm-hmm. cares about the success of this business. And they just feel, you know, we want every person here to feel like you matter to the business, your work matters to this business. You, you know, you, 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 you have a voice, we see you, we hear you. Um, and that hopefully sets, uh, sen- creates a sense of belonging. And, and that's what we're really striving for. Well, I think from the outside, uh, you know, an outsider sort of looking in, I feel like uh, I feel you guys have, have definitely demonstrated that for sure. 
yeah, we're trying. Yeah. We, we, you know, we, it's, it's a persistence, you know, yeah. it's, it's something that you have to constantly persist. Yeah. It's, it's always a work in progress, right? I mean, uh, before I get to, to, to ask you, uh, you know, we're coming up on, on two days, um, is the, you know, year anniversary of sort of the pandemic, uh, <laughs> shutdown here in, in Portland. But before that, I just got to say in June of 18, my, my wife pregnant at the time, my two sons and I went down to the, to the creamery and we had a delicious chicken salad there, which you wouldn't think that there'd be, you know, but it, oh, delicious chicken salad. So anyways, the chicken salad at the creamery, go eat it. It's delicious. And we had plenty of ice cream and that wasn't such a good idea over the weekend, but we enjoyed it at the time. Um, so anyways, okay. So like I said, so we've got, you know, two days till March 13th, which is effectively the, the, the time where most offices shut down across the country, um, certainly here in Portland. So reflection of 12 months, there's so much has happened. I, I, I feel like the only thing that I don't want to jinx it. I'll just knock on wood here, but we haven't had an earthquake yet. Oh, yet no, you had yet, to say yet, that. Yet. Um, <laughs> but almost everything else. And so as a leader in such a dynamic time, frankly, in history, what were some of the things that, that you guys did at the beginning and maybe still do now or things that you might have pivoted throughout? And have you, have you grown um, since last year in terms of people wise? And then how, how do you, this is, a, this is a lot of questions in one question. Okay. And then, uh, how have you onboarded virtually? Yeah. So the lessons are, I mean, there's so many lessons, right? I mean, I think one of the things that we did early was to set some guiding principles. How would we lead during this time? Mm -hmm. So look, it caught us off guard, just like most everyone. Um, right. And we suddenly realized that the ground beneath us was so shaky. And I think when everything is moving beneath you, the question is, how do you lead, right? Like, how do you lead? And, you know, um, I was reflecting on um, the Edelman Trust um, barometer that talks about, you know, the employer is still one of the most trusted sources that people look to. Um, and so that's a tremendous amount of burden and responsibility that employers have for the employees. And so I think um, that just really resonated for me that we, we have to take that, that take that seriously. And it's both a burden and a privilege, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think we, we, you know, we started to respond. And then we said, Okay, well, how do we make these decisions? And let's pause for a minute and think about what's going to guide our decision. So early thing that we did that I thought looking back was pretty remarkable was we said, let's set some guiding principles. And so we set some guiding principles and, you know, a lot of them were around um, how will we preserve the well-being of our employees, that we would preserve the well-being of our employees and keep them whole as much as we could uh, at all costs, right? How would we keep our business strong? How will we take care of our community? So we, yeah. we set some guiding principles and how would we always make decisions according to our values? So we, we set a number of things in place. And so I think that became the North Star, mm -hmm. you know, the, the way that we, we did that. So, so that really helped us um, really find stability in chaos. So uh, lesson number one for us was, um, you know, use using our values as anchor to find your footing in chaos. That just really helped us. Every time we were stuck, we said, okay, what do we say our principles were? How are we going to do this? Um, I think managing ambiguity um, 
is, uh, you know, you always know in leadership, managing ambiguity is like that core competencies that right. are important to develop, right? Right. But nothing made you use those muscles like 2020. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, Especially in people like in your uh, role, right? I mean, that, yeah. it just, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, the lesson there is to focus on what you can control. So, you know, and I think uh, people are looking to you. And so, you know, you can say things like, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but here's what I do know the answer to. And I, mm. and I think that's okay. And yeah. I think, it, and that resonated for people, you know? And so, so that was another thing that I think was important. Um, I think uh, another thing that comes to mind was really we prioritized connection um, over correction. So what I mean by that is think about what, what happens, right? We were socially distanced, just the word that itself. So basically it's a break in connection, physically distanced, yeah. socially distanced, right. distance, right? right? So how do you overcome that? So it was like, how do you mitigate that? And so we really asked our leaders to prioritize connection. So double down on that, yeah. you know, do have meaningful check-ins. Don't just jump right into work, but right, take a few minutes and have some minutes and and have meaningful check-ins with people. Ask them questions about how you're doing, you know, what's going on for you, you know. Um, and uh, I, I think I think that was uh, really really important um, because it it created sort of this um, way for you to to bring the humanness into the situation and not just pretend right. that everything was business as usual because it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, when you do that, it, it deepens your your relationship with the person and also bridges that socially distanced, physically distanced thing that you were doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that I think was really uh, interesting was uh, we've talked about this quite a bit is that, you know, privilege is often invisible until it isn't, mm -hmm. right? So um, the pandemic created so many challenges for people. And while the crisis affected all of us, it, it didn't um, affect us all the same way. Right. So when you can see into each other's space, uh, you got to get a view into each other's lives, whether, you know, it was whether you're working out of a garage, mm -hmm. uh, whether you're sharing space with some, with your kids while the, your kids are doing homework behind you or you're sitting there doing your work. <sighs> Yeah. Uh, or whether you're, whether you're, you know, whether you're really isolated because you live alone, or whether you live with five people and you have no privacy, um, you know. So you really got a viewpoint to that, right? And to right. the lives that people live. Uh, as as much as progressive as you might have been as an employer before, this just took it a different notch. Right. And the other thing I think that it kind of created. Um, uh, a lot more transparency to his anxiety and stress. Yeah. I was going to ask about that in terms of, yeah. of uh, transparency and as a leader, transparency and vulnerability during this time. Part of that is, is really valuable from a culture perspective to let your employees sort of in on the vulnerability. But at the same time too, how do you balance that with sort of too much, right? Is there, is there too much? And I think as, from a leadership perspective, there probably is too much. So how are you sort of available, but to a certain degree have some boundaries on that availability or that vulnerability? 
Yeah, you know, I feel like it's, I think it's important as a leader to reveal your vulnerability, mm-hmm. not like you're losing it, vulnerability. Right, because <laughs> right, we've all lost it. I mean. <laughs> yeah, but, but because people are looking to you, how you show up as a leader yeah. is important, right? right. Because, because we all look to who we consider our leaders for the signs and signals and the North Star, it, it, are things okay? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be okay? Are you okay? So there is that that comes with you being a leader, but it it by bias also be sh- revealing our vulnerability. It it creates space and permission. Right. Right. So for me to say, man, you know, this is I'm just exhausted. I've been mm-hmm. in one thing after another, and I realize that I need to I need to do better, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take tomorrow off, and or I'm going to do better next week. And I'm going to block out some time between my meetings you know, because I think I need to, um, you know, I think that, that kind of, um, that, that kind of self-disclosure and that kind of revealing of vulnerability is super important. I remember, uh, I was in one meeting and, um, and it was a meeting that I had to fully participate in. And, um, my, my teenage daughter and I have this code, she was home at the time. She's at college now where, um, and of course, my teenage daughter calls me at all kinds of odd yeah. times where it's not convenient for me. Uh, right. You'll find this out. You have uh-huh. kids who are not quite teens, right? But That's right. Yeah. You have yeah. plenty of teenagers coming there, Blake. But, Thanks a lot. Appreciate uh, <laughs> and we have this code that call me once. I'm not going to answer if I'm in a meeting, but if it's urgent, call me twice. Call, call me right after. So yeah. she calls me once and like, and then she calls me twice. And so I hide my video and my sound and I answer it and she's, at a park, she's locked her keys out of a car. She's babysitting oh. a kid who's had oh. an accident at a park, and she can't take the kid in the car back because she's lost her keys. Oh, she's locked my. herself out, and the keys lost in the park or whatever. And I'm in the middle of a meeting, and I'm like, "Well, I, I have to go, like, <sighs> take a specky to her, you know." And I'm in the middle of a meeting with my boss and I don't, and several other people, and so I just had to come and say, "Hey." I have to go. I have a family emergency, you know, and uh, I, I and I, I actually felt bad doing it. But on the other hand, it was good for yeah. me. It was good for everybody else because, you know, this happens to Sheila, too. Right. So right. it makes right. it OK if somebody else has to do it, you yeah. know. Yeah. So I think those kinds of things are important um, because it creates space for others to, to and gives permission. Yeah. Yeah. There's been this this definitely a human element where we're all having to share our our lives with everybody and whether it's you know dogs cats kids partners whatever it's just been i mean it's been a massive beta test yeah and to answer quickly a question yeah we have we have hired during this time and uh we had to pivot pretty quickly and uh you know we used to we had to do a lot of things virtually and we uh, did some things pretty fun around onboarding. We did a video recording of our space so people could get a sense of our space. And a space is something that you work in a lot. So we yep. did a walkthrough of our space. We did a video recording of a farm so we could give farm tours virtually. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, and uh, we would meet people uh, safely and give them their laptops and onboard them. We also realized that we don't know what people look like when they start. <laughs> so we had... Uh, and new employees take pictures of themselves and yeah. uh, and then we would send monthly emails out to all our office-based employees oh, with wow. photos of our new employees and little, you know, pieces of information about themselves. Of course, their favorite Telemook products. Right. right. Uh, so that we would start to recognize 
pick faces before we would actually see people. So we've been, our comms team has been doing that monthly as a way to, you know, socialize this idea of our new team members. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of pivots and I'm sure many organizations have been doing things like that. And we have, we even started to do, um, I think it's once a month, we have new hire onboarding virtually where we actually send them a mug um, to their homes and we, it's a telemug branded mug and you, get your coffee and we, we all get on a virtual and we do a virtual socialization and introductions and a few games and get to know each other. So, wow. Do you, do you feel that you are maybe more connected now than you guys were pre pandemic or is it the the same or different? It's It's an interesting question, right? In some ways, you know, it's, it's a very interesting question. I think the people that I'm on camera zoom with, regularly yeah when i see them in person which were very limited in-person capacity for office-based people when when i see them i always i almost feel like i've always seen you like i like i ran into you know i I went into the office and one of my um, peers were in there and i'm on you know i'm at least on with them a couple of times two three times a week yeah and i realized wait but yeah, I guess I haven't seen you in a year or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. I, it had to think about it. Right. But then there was somebody that I actually don't get on Zoom or Teams on. Yeah. And that person almost immediately, I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you. So uh, that's what I noticed, right? Yeah. So uh, I think it's been, it's those are the distinctions that yeah. I noticed. Yeah. I don't know. More connections with people that you might sort of deal with on a regular basis, but maybe a... a more disparate connection with people that you may not at, at the office, you would run into them on occasion, but if there's no intentional uh, project or whatever the, right. the case might be, you, you may not just have the uh, you know opportunity right. to do that as much. Yeah. But yeah. I know what I, what I was going to mention too, is that the thing that has been so gratifying for me personally, that is a deeper connection is, you know, I have the privilege of uh, being able to take care of our employees in a greater way than I have generally with my job during this time. And because of that, I've had so many employees reach out to me and send me emails and messages and cards and all kinds of things, right? And shares very specific personal things with me about impact, about their lives, about what they're struggling with, about how we help them or what have you. And those kinds of connections Mm -hmm. have been so remarkable, right? So much, so deep. Right. Uh, and so much more than I think I would have ever had if it wasn't for this right. sort of situation that I created that opening. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So what does the return look like for you guys? I mean, what's uh, what are you guys thinking about in terms of, you know, so you've, you've had some hires since you guys have actually physically been in the office. I'm sure just like many other companies out there, not just in Portland, but across the globe have started to think about sort of the return to office was scheduled for September of 2020, right? And then here we are and still no one's in the office. So, you know, what are what are some of the things that you guys are, are looking at? Um, part of it is just space in one case. Another part is change management in another case, because you've, if you've grown, how do you then uh, fit, fit the same amount of people, if not more, in the same space? Or what does that sort of stuff look like for, for you guys? Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been definitely a, a thoughtful, interesting process, and uh, I know you know you and I have talked about this quite a bit. And um, the future of our workplace has certainly you know been, in, been shaped by the experience of us working remotely uh, during the pandemic, right? And um, 
we we had some flexible work practices before, but I have to say we were pretty more regularly anchored to coming into the office. And we know now that uh, we can be very productive working remotely right. um, and uh, and leveraging technology, and uh, and we've been able to be very creative in getting our work done. And we've been very fortunate in our business. Um, as I, as I, we were talking about before this podcast, uh, I mean, our business has just grown and because of people, you know, being at home and mm-hmm. groceries and eating at home, you know, our business has really benefited from that. And we've been able to deliver well on getting food to shelf. So we've been very fortunate and successful. And, uh, and so, so there's that. And I think we've also realized that we really value having the office space, yeah. which, um, you know, we value having seeing each other. Um, and we, we, got, we have some, you know, great space um, and where we really, enjoy, we, we did a lot of things together. You know, we socialized together. We had structured and unstructured collaboration together. Um, we gathered. And so we realized that we missed that. Um, as well. So how do we, how do we balance this? You know, we trust our employees and so, and and we um, want the flexibility. Uh, We also love this culture that we've built um, and um, how do we preserve that? And so um, we realized that we wanted to do a hybrid uh, workplace. So we've recently communicated it. So, um, you know, so what, what, what we wanted to do was we think that we can uh, use space as a social anchor, mm-hmm. uh, as a way to activate our culture. And so, you know, we can use it to foster connection, facilitate collaboration, both structured and unstructured. And uh, we think that it would actually and also honor flexibility and give people ways to optimize the way they work. And so, you know, we are going to create um, a point of view around our, our work of a future of how we work that gives people the chance, the opportunity to choose to work two to three days a week away from mm-hmm. the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then um, use the office as ways to really use the time we have together to work together, um, right. use it to connect, use it to collaborate, uh, use it, to, you know, really um, activate our, our values and our, our culture. So I think it will actually create a more enriching and fulfilling experience for yeah. our employees. Um, so I'm really excited about that. So, you know, yeah. um, and we haven't fully, you know, figured out when we're going to fully reopen because as things unfold, but we, yeah. we thought it was important to communicate that early yeah. um, so that employees uh, know what to expect when we, when we go back. So how, how was it received? How do um, employees receive You know, it? it's pretty recent, uh, but yeah. from the feedback that I heard, I think um, people will seem pretty positive and excited yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think what we have to do is, um, you know, it's a bit, it, it, it's a bit, you know, new. Um, I think we have to make sure we equip our leaders right. uh, to know how to have the, how to have the conversations with their teams, figure out how to align so that we're intentional about how we create the opportunities for us to connect with our team members and figure out what's important when we want to come together in person. 
Um, and I think that's the effort that it takes. And we, in, you know, have a great learning and development function that will continue to, you know, help our leaders and support our teams in doing that. But I think generally people are really, um, really happy about that. Yeah. I'm happy about it. I think, yeah. you know, what's nice about it is it gives, it, it really recognizes that, uh, you know, um, employees can shape their own work experience. Uh, they can optimize the way they work, uh, that your life is important. Your life is important, not just right. your work life. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so, um, and, you know, I, I um, uh, there's this uh, quote about, you know, when we go back to this next normal, what, what, it, what, is worth what was worth preserving, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, and I think there's things that you know uh, that are that you might have realized. Wow, that what you were doing before was maybe not as good, you know. Yeah, right. And there's some things that you have now that you might want to preserve, so it gives you a chance to kind of really take take the best of it all. Hopefully, yeah. So with so much that you had to carry as a as the EVP of people and culture, how are you doing? I mean, a year after this. How are you feeling? How do you, how do you uh, re-energize? I mean, you've got three kids. That certainly is not re-energizing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll speak <laughs> for myself, okay? Um, but what are some of the things that, that you do to uh, not have to worry about these blue light glasses that I'm wearing and not stare at a screen and things like that? What, what you know, where do you go for some R&R? Well, you know, I, I like most of us. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get this all behind us. You <laughs> yeah. know, uh, I, I'm. That's a lot I miss, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I miss the. I miss traveling, right? That's yeah. something that I love to do, and um, I miss that. I have family in Malaysia. You know, we haven't been able to go see them. You know, there's just, there's just, there's just a lot that we've learned to do without. Uh, but I'm. I mean, honestly, Blake, that's just so much I'm grateful for, right? Yeah. Like I said, I've been able to hear a lot of stories from a lot of people. Um, and we've just been so, I mean, so fortunate. Health, yeah. family, work, it, you know. And so, and then with everything that's happening now, that's just so much to be hopeful for, for right. tomorrow. So, yeah. um, yeah. so I'm, I'm, and I'm cherishing, you know, some of what I have today. So, yeah. um, yes, um, I, uh, I, we do have three kids. Um, I, uh, but the pandemic kind of hit us where our kids were on the older side of things. Mm -hmm. So as opposed to if the pandemic had hit 10 years ago, I would have had three kids, but we would have had three kids between three and 13, kind of a different as you have younger kids. Yeah. Um, our kids were, you know, 14 to 22. So it's just, it's just different. Yeah. And uh, I would, I would have to say a lot easier than having kids in the younger zone. So I was able to spend a lot more time with my two younger kids, our older kid, older daughters out, outside the home than, than I would have had as a, in the normal time. Right, right. Because the normal time is the working mom. Yeah. I would be at work, they'd be at school, I'd come home, there'd be dinner on the table, I had a few hours with them. And now, you know, during this time, I would work, yes, but then I get to step out there and have lunch every day. Yeah, yeah. And actually take a walk in the middle of the day sometimes with my son. Right. And I get to close my laptop and step outside the door and go downstairs and I'm home. Right. Yeah. And so there are things that I've really cherished that I don't miss. And that's that's something. Yeah. Yeah. For you know? sure. Uh, but but um, to answer your question, uh, it is also, a, 
you know, there's also blurred lines between work, oh, right? And yeah. and stopping work. Yes. So, um, and I'm just as guilty of that thing going on too much. Yeah. So, um, like sometimes I, you know, and and we've done some things at work that I am really tried to do better. So we did this thing at work where we instituted or asked people to take uh, this hallway pass. So change all your meetings to 45 minute meetings or 25 minute meetings. And so it took a while, but um, uh, I went ahead and did that. So yeah. it gives me just a little bit of just a little bit of time just to get up and stretch and grab a cup yeah. of coffee or, you know, step outside or do something right. That's a mental health thing. It's a well-being thing. Right. Or I don't I don't love first morning meetings. So I try not to schedule a Monday meeting till like 830 or something, yeah. you know, or, and, and uh, we extended our summer Fridays to early release Fridays. till the, till the pandemic's over. So I do try to take my Friday afternoons and try to wrap it up by one o'clock. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. things like that. Um, and, um, you know, we, uh, did a, um, one of these fun paint classes with my, one of my teams, this oh, nice. uh, virtual paint classes, yeah. you know, and so I kind of fell into painting. So, you know, sometimes I'll do that for a release or something. So try to do a little things yeah. to just give you, give myself a break. Right, right. Um, and so those are the kinds of things I've done, but it's been, I've been very grateful for so many things. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great perspective to share. Okay. So here's the curveball. That's <laughs> not really a curveball. It's like more <laughs> like a, I don't know, slow pitch fastball. Okay. So if you could have coffee or cocktail with anyone in history, past or present, Gosh. dead or living, who might that be and why? Oh my gosh. So many people. Okay. Well, I suppose I can't have two, huh? All right. Well, no, you can only have one. Uh, <laughs> I would say the person that first came to the top of my top of mind, um, because it's international, it was just International Women's Day, it's Women's yeah. History Month, yeah. uh, and uh, it would be RBG. Great and uh, just because what an incredible, in, incredible human being. Yeah. I would have, I watched, I've never read a book, I've watched the movie, I, um, you know, often quote her quotes. Um, and um, she lived, she, she started her activism in a time way beyond all of us act, you know, talking about it and stepping up and stepping forward. Right. And uh, that's pretty remarkable. And where does that come from? And where, how did that, I mean, what, I'm so curious about her and I would have endless amount of questions. And, and she seems like such an interesting person that I would probably just have no problem just sitting down and just talking with her, you know, yeah. about that. I'd be just so curious about her. So yeah. that will be who I would, I would pick. Awesome. I didn't realize this is your first podcast. So this is a, you know, this is great. This is a first for both of us. So I just really appreciate you coming on and, and Sharon. Um, it's just an absolute pleasure to have you. Well, thank you, Blake. My, yeah. uh, it was my pleasure. It's fun to talk with you. And yeah. uh, those were some great questions. And I'm, I hope I did okay on the curveball. I think you did great. I think, yeah, no, I think you hit that right out of the park. That's so, great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, good luck with your glasses. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, good. And, you know, lastly, I, won't be se I won't be sending you a picture. Uh, come on. No, it's a requirement. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can people learn more about Tillamook uh, and, uh, and you? Tillamook.com. Okay. 
That's easy enough. You can order products. You can learn about us. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and uh, Facebook and Twitter. And uh, we do lots of fun stuff. So check us out. Uh, and about me, um, I think I'm, I'm most active on LinkedIn. So definitely uh, check it out. And um, yeah. Awesome. That's what I would say. Well, Eat lots of cheese, yeah. ice cream. It's deadly. It's really deadly. It's not, I mean, it's so good. It's we have really cream cheese so now, you know, I mean. Well, I think I have all all of those in my drawer right now, literally. I think I, I yeah, I'm pretty sure I do. That's so um, we'll go enjoy the 61 degrees outside. I don't know why I I'm will. wearing a puffy coat, but it's nice and warm outside. So uh, enjoy I the will. walks and thanks again for coming on, Sheila. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Blake. Okay, you got it. Thank you for listening to Think Beyond Space, the PDX Workplace Insider Podcast. To follow along and get additional insights from each episode, visit cressa.com slash Portland. Please also take a minute to rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.